0: Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that.
1: Kick back and get
0: comfy while host Heather Winnig and her co hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective
1: explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion.
0: Cause and effect, you've come in tonight on a very special episode because we're having a three-way. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have two co-hosts today. I've got Tiffany. That's me. And Travis. That's me. <laughs> Him and then me. I'm Heather. <laughs> so um, we've got a good topic for this one. I'm just going to jump right into the quote unless you guys need to chit-chat a little bit.
1: Brilliant. Jump on you're in. Ready, you're ready. Okay,
0: so this is from the book "Early Childhood Education for a New Era" by Steph- Stacey Goffin, and the quote is: Acknowledgement of expert authority, marked by credentials or certification/slash licensure, is central to recognition as a profession." And go. Ah. <laughs> I have a complicated relationship with this idea. I you think shall. I know. Mine's very reactionary. Okay. <laughs> yes. Right. Say yours.
2: Say yours. Cause I've been thinking about this
0: all day. So you guys me say, say mine. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so before we turn it over to Travis,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a couple things in here. Um, so, so I
0: started in the field when I was uh, 19 years old. Didn't know that early childhood education was a thing you could major in or study. Um, I knew that I was good with kids, and I knew that I needed a job, and I knew that the child care center across town was hiring, so I got the job. And uh, I spent 20-some years learning on my own what I felt like I needed to do, to know to do my job well and fighting the idea that I needed any kind of degree. But then I started losing jobs because I didn't have a degree. And uh, there was a period of time where I thought I really was pushed out of early childhood. Um, And the only thing I was unemployed and the only thing I could I could get um, were like assistant teacher jobs in classrooms. And uh, I have a high enough opinion of myself to know that that wouldn't have worked very well. (laughs) Um, So I ended up having to go back to school and, and getting the degree. Um, so I, I, I feel like it's possible to do a good job without that official credential, but, um, I also feel like, how are we going to prove that we're a profession with skills and specific expertise if we don't have some kind of piece of paper for it? So that's, that's, that's my starting point. Mm. Travis is squirming. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh i'm gonna come at it from the opposite angle with the same maybe the same result i don't know i immediately aka two weeks after graduating from my undergrad program went into a master's program got my master's in early childhood elementary education got the piece of paper and didn't learn anything
0: right and we've talked about that when we we talked about our dream college that yeah. You know, I went and I got yeah. the
3: paper, so but I didn't the, learn anything. Uh, yeah. When you get a piece of paper that says, ooh, you have an early childhood credential on your master's degree, and that means you spent one day of one class covering all of the major theories. One day. Like, what What does that even mean? Yeah. Travis, your face right now is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> We have to let Travis talk now or he's going to
0: explode. <laughs> well, actually,
1: okay,
2: so, so my starting point is really just a question about context. Cause I haven't read this actually like I, yeah. the quote where this is from. I have not read it. <clears throat> so I'm wondering if the author is defining like how we as a society define a profession or if she's, giving her opinion about how we should define our profession. Mm.
0: The the book really is focused on how can we get outsiders to see us as a profession. Oh, okay. So the
2: barriers. Yeah. So what she's saying is that we need to accept that, people need those things in order to take us seriously. Right, yes. Which, I mean, isn't in itself very wrong because a lot of people are just stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hashtag stupid like that. <laughs> but,
2: at, but at the same time, it's kind of counterintuitive, counterproductive if we're trying to actually build a diverse um, employment base, mm-hmm. which is... Yeah something that is definitely way undervalued in our society as far as Mm -hmm. any profession goes. But this one, especially
0: um, talk about what you mean by that. When you say, if we want to build a diverse.
2: Okay. So (laughs) in order for us to like, well, just in a broad sense, in order for us to function as a society, the way that we are, we need to embrace diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, And be open-minded about stuff like that. We need to be open-minded about different levels of education. Like, we can't be going around policing everybody's grammar or how they spell (laughs) because not everybody has the exact same education level. Not everybody took their education, like, I don't want to say so seriously, but not everybody took it to where it needed to affect their daily life all the time. And And in the same way... spelling
0: doesn't come from school. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really. And
2: in the same way, we know that the only way to like, for instance, close the achievement gap in schools is to make sure that they're incredibly diverse. Mm. Um, so, it's, so as a society, we thrive on diversity. And in this profession in general, it's not all that diverse as far as education levels go, as far as... Because, I mean, I can tell you right now in Nebraska, it's not common to have any kind of degree mm. going into this. I don't know how it is in other states, but I know... Here, it's really uncommon for someone to have even an associate's credential in early childhood or like a CDA.
0: And that's where um, I started. Ahead. And a CDA nobody even had heard of when I got my CDA <laughs> in Nebraska in 1993. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know? yeah. And then in the same, like, the same way... It's really gender specific. there's not a lot of gender diversity. I can tell I can go on and on about all the horror stories I w- had to go through as a male in the profession. Mm-hmm. but in the same way, just gender diversity at all um, is so yeah. common. <laughs> so I think it's really important to embrace all forms of diversity, mm-hmm. but for me personally in the way that I view early childhood education, you don't necessarily need a degree at all in it, but that doesn't mean that someone without a degree, is any less or more qualified than someone with a degree.
0: Well, that's where I was going to go with it next, because as a former director, I would get so frustrated and insulted and offended by the applications I got from people whose sole experience was working at the gas station or truck drivers or um, grandmas or whatever, who felt like, I mean it was just really clear sometimes when I went through piles of applications when it was time to hire that there was this feeling that anyone can do this work. And I would get
1: mm-hmm. really
0: offended by that and and I would have to sort of sit with that for a while before I made any decisions about who to interview but um so so where does that fit with this with this idea?
3: Oh, can I jump in on this? Yes. One? Uh, I think that this is a rare profession and teaching as a whole any job where you're working so closely with such a intimate group it it requires a certain level of innate ability and i know that goes against all of the growth mindset <laughs> <laughs> but you know at, at a certain point uh it's not a job for everyone mm-hmm. but at the same time you can never tell who it is a job for yeah and that's where i really strike issue with the needing a a piece of paper to prove your ability at this job, because how do you measure heart? How do you measure, um, interpersonal skills? Like, I'm going to go and take a degree in interpersonal skills with three-year-olds. Like, is that, (laughs) is that what they mean by this? Is that where we're headed? Because I don't think that that's what society would see as valuable on that piece of paper. Mm -hmm to deem ourselves
0: as more qualified. But in reality, that's what it would be. Margie Carter Mm -hmm. and Deb Curtis in their book, Training Teachers, um, identify and lay out nine, I think it's nine, core dispositions of master teachers. And it's kind of what you're talking about of that innate ability. Some of it can be learned, but some of it is just who you are. And it's stuff like delighting in children and being curious about play and um, you know, lots of other things, but the, I, I learned none of those, nothing about any of those dispositions of master teachers um, in either my associates or my bachelor's programs that I went through.
2: Yeah, yeah and it kind of depends on whether or not people are able to identify those things in, in themselves, because mm-hmm. um, I yeah. can tell you when I entered this profession, I didn't, Think that I was going to be teaching. I didn't think that um, I had any kind of innate qualities that led me to be a good caregiver or teacher, but I had, I worked amongst people and had the right kind of supervisors who kind of helped me identify what parts of my personality meet those criteria um, so that I could apply them. Because, you know, you can have a truck driver or a grandma come and apply for you having just realized that. They think that they can do this job, um, but who still might need that little bit of help fi- figuring out how to apply what's good about themselves to their job.
1: Sure. Yeah.
3: yeah. I, I think... And knowing where they're coming from, too. Are they applying for this job because they think it'll be an easy job to get? Or are they applying for this job because they're ready for a career change and feel like this is their calling?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And just anybody who's going to look at this profession as transactional is going to have a really hard time. So it yeah. it, <laughs> it and what I mean by that is that if you are coming into this profession, um, just wanting a paycheck and you're the type of person who's going to sit and count your hours and figure out what your paycheck's going to be every day. But just by sitting down with the kids, doing that while they're doing their thing, or while you could be spending time reflecting on your day, just thinking about the money all the time, you're not going to do a great job. That's not to say that people with money struggles shouldn't do this job, (laughs) but it it is important to be able to separate those two things. Like if you're going to be miserable in this job because you're not getting a big enough paycheck, then this isn't the, either you need to talk to somebody about it or it's just not going to be the profession for you. Yeah.
0: So yeah. So, Travis, are you ready to talk about your Facebook post?
1: Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because in January, you posted about this. <laughs>
2: yes, I did. Um, so, here in Nebraska, there's... A, there's, And I actually haven't kept up on news about this legislation, but there is legislation um, proposed um, that would essentially... Kind of deregulate what it takes to be a school teacher in Nebraska.
0: Like so, elementary school, like
2: yep, yeah, L- L- any kind of so any kind of school that's going to be accredited by the Department of Education
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, is oh. just like they would essentially have their entire teachers' um, qualifications deregulated to kind of a it's it's kind of a bare minimum, mm-hmm. I will say, but I. Uh, it, it I think it's I think it's a step in the right direction if it's used properly because we all know that some things sound really great on paper and then they just don't pan what? out that well. <laughs> so, yeah. um, let's see. I want to open up the bill so I make sure I'm saying the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so essentially, what it would be is that the state um, education board would be able to. Grant a teaching certificate to somebody who doesn't have a degree in early childhood education or or in any any education, (laughs) any education, education. Um, but they would have to try and make sure I'm getting the right thing. Um, They would have to be 21 years of age or older they would have to possess a valid high school diploma, complete 24 hours of in-service training, and complete 10 hours of classroom observation at each level, elementary school, early child education, middle school, and high school, for a total of 30 hours. So essentially a practicum. Um, Mm -hmm. They would have to successfully complete a course that they're just going to create to essentially get these teachers, figure out whether these teachers are capable, um, which who knows what's going to be in that course, but we'll see. Um, and then there's going to be a department of education exam. That's going to also do that. So essentially, and I should say that first one is about the constitute, the constitution of the United States. The second one is about their qualities as a teacher, their aptitude. Um, then they have to submit fingerprints, um, complete an application, and then they have their teaching certificate. um, and so this essentially means, because the teaching certificate is temporary and it's for while you are working on getting the credentials for the job. So you can be in college getting your education degree. You can start teaching right away. Um, you can be a biologist and just want to teach part-time, be an adjunct professor of sorts for a high school and teach biology there. You could be a... Uh, car mechanic and teaching shop at a high school and a lot of people are really upset about this because it sounds a lot like this is how they are either skirting unions in order to so that the unions have less leverage or they are just trying to combat the teacher shortage by deregulating qualifications which will in turn make the schools plummet as a result so i i mean
3: oh man <laughs> For I me, see
2: all of those arguments. <laughs> yes, and they're they're all really they're all really interesting. Um, everybody has a good point to bring up, but at the heart of everything, I am always going to be sitting on the side of all these people who would be really good at this job who just don't want to sit through four years of bullshit,
0: or can't afford to, yeah. or
2: yes, or can't, or can't afford, afford to. to, or they don't have just any sort of any sort of stuff going on in their life that is stopping them from getting into college, which can be a lot of socioeconomic situations. It could be stuff about your race and where you live that are barring you from winding up getting a four-year degree in education. Mm -hmm. All those struggles essentially go away to people who are actually passionate about this job. Now, a lot of people are wondering if it's going to be that just anybody off the street is going to try to become a teacher. And I mean, if you're going to have to sit through all the hours of in-service and do repeated in-service every year and a whole practicum. I mean, 30 hours a a week is what I had to do for practicum and then take a couple tests. I mean, that all seems like all of the shit. That's all before you actually get
3: hired for a job.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't,
2: so I, s- people are also relating it to child cares where it's like people are just hiring warm bodies and it's like, yeah, but that's different because these warm, bar- warm bodies don't have to go through a whole shit ton of work right. just to be warm bodies. Mm-hmm. They just sign a piece of paper, send in their background check, and then they're hired. Right.
0: Pass a drug test.
2: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then Yeah. And then a lot of people are also just, I mean, getting a teaching certificate does not guarantee you a job. Right. You still have or to guarantee that you aren't
3: just a warm body.
2: Like yeah. I,
3: right. it doesn't eliminate the warm body program because some of the warm so bodies have degrees. Went
0: through all that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's really interesting. One of the arguments that I saw come up, which I thought was pretty interesting, that we can probably talk about, is that <laughs> we wouldn't let doctors. Uh, Practice medicine without their credentials we wouldn't let lawyers practice law without their credentials so how would this be any different mm-hmm. um and i guess my my whole in, in the heart of everything i see teaching as a totally different career as both of those things because people's lives and livelihoods are at risk right now when they're around, doc- like with they're being operated on by a doctor, for instance, mm-hmm. or if they're in court with a lawyer. So I think it's totally different. But it's important to note that children, their lives are incredibly affected by the type of education that they receive. But I think it's just a little bit different in that when there's a bad teacher, we can pinpoint that ba- bad teacher and get her out of there before she does any. Harm to any children, or if she does lasting emotional damage. But do we? Yeah, that's my.
0: Not yeah, in my not that because <laughs> because we got ratios to maintain, and yep. we have yep. a limited hiring pool. Yep, and <clears throat> I think that
2: that also becomes a non issue when we open up the qualifications
1: mm-hmm.
2: because then the hiring pool gets so much bigger right the the competitive attitude between between two different candidates for a certain position becomes a little more consequential
0: yeah. so let me go back to the doctor and lawyer thing for a minute mm-hmm. so <laughs> i'm not saying that i Think I would be comfortable going to a doctor who hadn't been officially trained. But don't you think that both of those things could be learned in sort of an apprenticeship kind of situation where someone just did the work and had a mentor and, uh, you know, did the self study kind of stuff? Lawyer, I yeah. think.
1: Well, I
2: mean, when I go to my primary care physician, she types all my symptoms into a computer, and it tells her <laughs> what the diagnosis is. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking about surgeons, no. If we're talking right. about specialty care doctors, probably not. But I mean,
0: like just to just go doctor. get my antibiotic or whatever.
2: <laughs> I mean.
0: What she has
2: What she has is a little is a little more important than or a little more in depth than WebMD is, but I'm sure <laughs> that information is open.
0: yeah. Yeah. so so let me bring um, this- I'm oh, wondering
3: about about uh, return on investment for those two professions. When you go through all of that schooling and accrue all that student debt and then you pay it off in the first year. Because or you're a
0: doctor or a lawyer, couple of you years, mean?
3: Because you're a doctor yeah. or a lawyer, suddenly it's like, well, you can you can front load it like that. You don't have to just hit the ground running mm-hmm. and skip this step in order to survive.
0: Right.
3: And I just don't think that's, I know that that's not yeah. happening with teaching at all. If I had not that return, had a There is no return on that investment besides yeah. like the, yeah. the fulfillment you feel.
0: If I had not had 90% of my schooling paid for, I still wouldn't have a degree and I would probably not be in the field of early care and education anymore. I'd be a secretary somewhere. Yeah. And we here, here's where you talk about what a loss that would be.
1: <laughs> that what was, a loss that, that was would a be. Setup. It would be. It would be. <laughs>
2: well, and then it's also that teaching is an art. Yes. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a science for sure but it's a science that cannot be a science without the art mm-hmm. um, because we have to be creative people. We have to look at everything with an open mind. We have to um, engage in such a way that we are impacting children's lives positively, which a lot of times means that some we have to be a little bit Less authentic than normal, <laughs> which is just the the greatest performing art. I can't tell you how many times I have gone I have been, like, on an angry phone call with somebody, and I hung up and walked in that building with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay. I mean, the whole concept of teaching is an art, and it changes with every new kid you have. Um, no, but like no successful teacher does things the same way they did the day before or even the year before. Right. And, and whereas with law, law is always the same and it takes a lot of study, a lot of rigorous study of the law to understand it. Same thing goes with science, but with teaching It changes because we have to reflect on things, and I mean, none of us are drawing circles on chalkboards and putting kids' nose on them anymore, I hope.
0: (laughs) Tiffany does that all the time.
2: (laughs) I'm about to do it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Everything we know about teaching and everything we've learned about teaching as a society and as a, a, a species... Is constantly evolving so I and that's one of the reasons that I want people to not get to like specifically not get degrees just to get a job in education or early childhood like a lot of people I would rather say go get a degree in something and then come back and then get like a master's in education okay because you want to be able to apply yourself in different ways
0: let me let me play devil's Mm -hmm. advocate for a minute I hate that phrase. you so stealing much. my job. <laughs> Let me play devil's advocate <laughs> for a minute. So though, but that, that says to me that because the law is very black and white and it's all written out and there's precedent and you, because I've watched TV shows about law- lawyers, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that that's easier to learn as you work than teaching, which is an art form, which would seem to require more training. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I am. I, I think we're giving
3: uh, lawyers less credit than they deserve, yeah. FYI.
0: There's no lawyers listening, I'm Tiffany.
3: <laughs> I know a future one who's probably listening right now. <laughs> and, you know, there, I, I, I think that there's a level of art to any really strenuous,
0: strenuous is the right word? I don't know, because you haven't Profession finished like that. Yeah, I would definitely
2: say, like, <laughs> defense attorneys are the greatest yeah. actors on the planet.
3: Like, okay. Have right, <laughs> watched The People versus O.J. Simpson, Heather? I have.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, I think, I think what's most important for them is that, like, you can be a lawyer and never have to... Never have to defend somebody like like never stand up in front of a jury and talk. You a lot of lawyers you wouldn't even need to have any kind of public speaking experience whatsoever because like for like my lawyers, <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> I have I have a lawyer for my business who essentially his entire practice is him filing corporate related documents like he doesn't go in and do anything unless someone's in trouble or does something (laughs) bad (laughs) so (laughs) I think what he does is really important and it takes a lot of knowledge because he has to have to have a catalog of pretty much how the entire law works and a good one if he wants to be a good lawyer
0: but that's all in a book yeah (laughs) I I I definitely
2: think that there's a lot of ethics and moral or morality related things that they have to be able to, they, I I would say that they have to be philosophers more than Um, we would.
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, okay. So I want to go back to the quote for a minute, um, because Mm -hmm. it started as this being central to, um, to our recognition as a profession. So my first question for you guys is, do you think it's important that we're recognized as a profession? And why? Somebody should answer.
3: (laughs) I'm nodding. Yes. (laughs) I think it's important that we're recognized as a profession. um, Because I, I think that we are, as early childhood educators, distinct in our needs and our values and what is required of us as a quality professional. Did that make any sense? Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Some sense. Okay. I'm going
3: gonna, I'm gonna to expand some more. <laughs> okay. so, uh, I get frustrated when I am lumped in with, say, a fifth grade teacher and the expectations of my job are the same as their job. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And they're not the same expectations and it doesn't take the same individual and it doesn't take the same kind of training. Mm-hmm. We have a lot in common we're similar, the Venn diagram overlaps nicely, but I think to really look ten at ten points, what for Venn diagram <laughs> um I think to really look at what it means to be an early childhood professional, I think that that should be recognized in its own right,
0: okay yeah,
3: because that that might take away some of that stigma of well, they're just three, so it's like kindergarten only dumbed down right Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's the, the thing that I've been trying to fight a lot lately. Yeah. So I think professionalizing, maybe viewing. I don't know if professionalizing is the right word now that I'm saying all this.
0: Do you think that's different than being taken seriously? Because I just don't think we're taken seriously. And I don't know if that, if that yeah. if being defined as a profession is the answer to that. Or, yeah, I don't know. Travis, you were going to say something. (laughs) Well, okay. So I think it's probably
2: really important to us and our souls and our (laughs) ego that we we are recognized as a profession. But then I wonder, with how often things change and evolve in this field, I wonder if this, like, ideological endpoint of being accepted and recognized as a profession would mean that we lose our ability to influence people when things change mm-hmm. because I I really like fighting <laughs> I really really like fighting and if I don't have anything to fight over anymore then I'm either not looking at the right things or I am just deciding that I'm that I'm giving up on it. Because I feel like this changes so much and so much of how we look at childhood and children in general changes so often societally mm-hmm. that if we were ever to reach a point where we were like the end-all, be-all, we are correct, we would be just like them mm-hmm. and not be able to influence change when new studies come out and children as part of our species change and evolve as time goes on.
0: So, so that, I mean, that raises an interesting point because, um, you know, I'm, I'm sick of the school readiness bullshit and, um, Mm -hmm. I'm sick of common core and I'm disgusted that, um, no early childhood experts were involved in the common core decision-making which has then led to or contributed to or intensified this inappropriate school readiness conversation. So do you think, do you think it's because we're not recognized as a profession that we weren't included? Or, or or what do you think?
2: I think it's because we're not as involved in the public school program. I mean, I think it was a little, I definitely think that that whole decision was just kind of us being overlooked because we don't take as many federal funds. <clears throat> we, educa- we don't take money away from the education system, so then why would we have to be part of the program that is impacting public schools? So I, de- I definitely think it's sad that we weren't included, especially since they are they are deciding that more and more schools need to be um, adopting these standards. Um, but, but I think it it might have been not that they weren't taking us seriously, but that we aren't as impactful to their bottom line.
0: But the burden is falls on worse. us to yeah. get, get kids ready to meet their ridiculous standards.
2: But then it's our job to meet those people at the door with both middle fingers up.
0: <laughs> yeah, Just rubbing
2: our nipples with our middle fingers. <laughs>
0: I was about to say let's all reenact that, but no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you made it that's what, I,
2: that's what I mean by like, I want I want to be able to still fight. <laughs> if there if, if there's no fight left, then what am I gonna do with my middle fingers? Like, I can't just twiddle oh, them. Man. <sighs> so, we, so we
0: I have pretty, to say
3: I used to love the fight, and I am so tired of fighting the same fight over and, and over and over again.
0: Too. Um, but. I'm twice your age, Travis. So. <laughs> At least I'm more than twice your age.
2: Yeah, it's just I don't I I think that I have the type of personality that I'm never gonna get tired of it. Uh, mainly because I mean, I'm a boat I rocker,
0: see... but I in, would in like this... a different fight. I would like to rock yeah. a different boat. I've been rocking the yeah. same boat for too long.
2: And and I feel like none of those none of those boats are gonna be unrocked anymore. <laughs> like, it's just because I think being being educated in neuroscience as opposed to education is a really interesting way of looking at things because it seems that new knowledge about the nervous system is just always challenged. So then what's the point of being a, science any, a scientist if, anymore if every single thing that you discover or want to discover is just you have to argue your way to... You have to just keep arguing and arguing and arguing. And I think that that's why for educators, because we're on this spectrum of artists to scientists, and wherever you fall determines how capable or not capable, but how how accepting you are of the challenge, which is why we need everybody on all sides of the spectrum. Because if you're on the scientist side, you're way more interested in fighting. And if you're on the artist side, you're more interested in Focusing on the specific kids that you have with you and making sure that your impact on these kids directly is positive. And that's not to say that the people on the scientist side aren't doing that, but they're taking that and they're taking parts of that and applying it into their advocacy. So wherever you fall determines exactly how you feel about the fight, I would say.
0: So that just reminds me, and maybe this completely derails the conversation, but um, I, so I've been having lots of conversations with teachers about evidence-based practices and Mm -hmm. making sure that what we do is based on research about child development and what we know to be best practice. And I had one teacher recently say to me, well, how can we, how can we do that? Because research hasn't seen every situation. Does that make sense? Like, her question was, how can we base things on research when the researchers haven't been in my classroom with these specific kids? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I would just point.
2: I mean, I'm not. I don't want to sound like I'm just mean. Yes,
1: you do.
2: (laughs) if, do. if, If someone said that to me. I would, I feel so bad, but I would look them in the face. I'm like, what, do you think you're special? <laughs> right, and that, <laughs> that, I don't, I, it sounds so mean, but at the same time, I'm just, it doesn't, it, it also doesn't feel right that you think that the kids that you have are so outliers uh-huh. that you they can't that we're not as researchers we're not allowed to have any kind of say because we haven't met your specific kids.
0: Your little classroom in the middle of Indiana. <laughs> so special. <laughs> it's yeah. for the researchers. Let's let's
3: bring this back to the doctor lawyer analogy. Okay. Because mm-hmm. doctors are in a similar situation, correct? New study comes it, out. Oh, right.
1: Yeah. Hey,
3: they've got this new drug developed. Here's We've learned something new. You have to wash your hands before you touch people. <laughs> like, no, I they, don't. How do you...
1: <laughs>
3: so, like, they go through that same synthesis, right? Mm. The research behind the practice influences your yeah. practice as a doctor. Yeah. And then you <clears> have <throat> to synthesize it into reality. Right. That's so different than what a comes does.
0: out. Yep. Yep. You you reflect and you synthesize. It's it's accommodation and assimilation. It's Piaget.
2: Yeah, and the, and oh doctors and doctors are also fighting fights that should have ended years and years ago. Just like we are. Sure. Like I mean, doctors are still fighting the fact that we science has told us we know for sure GMOs are not going to kill us or give us cancer. People are still freaking out about. We know for sure that vaccines are not <laughs> causing autism or killing our kids off. People are still arguing about it, Here and goes
0: Travis. You can. <laughs> oh no, I
2: am not even getting into any of that. I know. But,
0: but yeah, they're, you're they're right. Just, I, I hadn't thought about that.
2: Yeah, these ideas yeah. are—they're are, are, already solid. Um, I mean, with uh, like specifically with GMOs, the all everything we know is done by broad studies. So of course, there's going to be all these people who are rightfully saying, "Well, they don't know about this very specific thing." but at the same time we have to be we have to have a certain amount of trust in science and if we don't then we wind up being the type of people that just counter argue people in positions of knowledge and and I don't want to say I don't want to even say power because a lot of these doctors are powerless to their patients coming in and asserting that they have a gluten allergy <laughs> Like I have, I have parents coming in asserting that their kids are have ADHD or ADD, and I'm sitting here like,
0: "Yeah, you're and, not a doctor." And some, but some doctors. Will, this is I'm going to derail again. Doctors <laughs> will write notes for anything parents want them to write notes for. Yeah, and that drives I, I, me bonkers.
2: Well, and the other thing is that they the issue is that they take. We have a really bad understanding about how children's white rights work in this. Country. We don't yeah. really care
0: about children's rights yeah. in this country, let's so, be honest.
2: So a lot of times I I hear a lot of people say that doctors are giving out ADHD prescriptions just on parent testimony, and if that's true, they need I mean they need to be taking their doctor their kid somewhere else for a doctor. But right. if but in most of the cases that I've seen, they're taking they want parents to speak, and then they want to take teachers' testimony, mm. which is which is the part where I draw the line. You like teachers, you're not allowed to diagnose children, right? And you're not allowed to give testimony that you know is going to yield a diagnosis. Like if you sit there being like, "Oh, he fidgets all the time to this doctor. He fidgets all this all the time. He's constantly being combative. He doesn't want to sit down in the, in the same spot and." I mean, I have a friend who who came to me the other day because her, the te- the special ed teacher at her child's school suggested he be on some kind of antipsychotic medication.
0: Jesus, and how old is he?
2: He's nine. Oh. <laughs> and so, and I'm sitting here like that should, that's that's <laughs> that's something that should not be legal. Is right. right. teachers yeah. suggestion. Diagnosing it's legal. <laughs> right. He's not here. <laughs> right. Also,
3: I yeah. wish
0: you could have all seen Tiffany's face during that.
2: <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so Horror. yes. So I think I think doctors are in a bad position because they there's no precedent for children's rights that allow them to not be defined by the way that their parents and teachers see them. Sure.
0: So maybe to bring this all back to the original quote. Even professions that are clearly defined as professions are only as good as the individuals practicing mm-hmm. in that profession. Does that make does that, you know what I mean? Like there are there are teachers yep. who have you know all kinds of degrees who clearly are not in the right spot. Um and and getting that piece of paper doesn't guarantee that they're gonna get to the right spot.
1: Sure. Same with
0: doctors, yeah. Same with lawyers, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's why we have doctors
2: telling kids they're telling parents with children who have autism to put bleach enemas in them.
0: Jesus, what? <laughs> 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 Tiffany,
2: everybody listening Tiffany, at home, you have Google the best that. frown.
0: <laughs> Are you seeing what? Then, do but, not okay,
2: so, so, Google it, but then make sure you. Delete your search history because you do not want children bleach enemas showing up on your search history if you <laughs> Don't
3: accidentally click on the images search for that one. Okay, please. stop right
0: now. You're <laughs> sending a right couple right <laughs> Stop right now.
2: No, but that is definitely a real thing, and there have uh, been a couple doctors who have big internet followings of I'm gonna cry. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It's scary people and suck. teachers why, doing similar things.
0: Why do people suck? There's a question. For Because on TNK. the Because on the
2: <laughs> internet it's easy for anyone to sound like they are an expert.
0: Yeah. So next question for Q&A with T and K. Why do people suck?
3: Why do people suck? Oh, that's gonna be a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, do that. Let's
0: do that as our three way for that for your <laughs> Okay. So we're about, we're at, we're at 40 minutes, guys. <laughs> of what else, what else do you want to say? How do we, so, you know, the, the goal of the podcast is to start with a quote, unpack it and then sort of give some suggestions for how to make it real in our work with children. Um, so, so what are your suggestions when we're talking about professionalizing our field and, and needing degrees? What, what do you think? What do real people in the, in the work need to know?
3: I have more thoughts that we haven't even touched on yet, guys. Go.
0: Okay, go. Like, how how do you
3: (laughs) legitimize a piece of paper when you get, like, 80 million stupid workshop pieces of paper in a year? True. What does that piece of paper even mean? Right. As I'm, like, filing all of them to our uh, licensed credential people to renew my license. When they're worthless, what's the point? Question number one. Question number two. How do we achieve the reverence that they have for playworkers in the UK? Is my next yeah. question. Then because when be you get a, a playworker's credential, uh-huh. like being a playworker is a is something that's taken very seriously that requires a certain level of training and if you're a licensed playworker it's it's revered in a level of professionalism there that I don't see with other uh, niche areas of education. Uh-huh. How do we get to that point? I Change th- the
2: vocabulary.
0: <laughs> to what? What? Playworker. We we should be playworkers, I, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Change the way that, like, I mean, I just recently changed our online job posting to say playworker. Um, And I've since then, I have received far more qualified people. I mean, like personally, emotionally qualified people for this work than anywhere I ever have, because I think with especially with teacher, like when you put the word teacher for a lot of people, it sets off this idea that there's going to be a lot of uh, education required or that you already have to have a certificate Mm -hmm. or that you have to know how to teach, uh-huh. and uh, anyone who knows anything about my program is like, the teachers don't really do shit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> especially, I mean, to, it, to the, when it comes to, to the, the...
0: untrained eye.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah to, to like, um, in the younger classrooms, at the other center, I mean, yeah, they have to do a little bit more because there's a lot more direct care involved. But with my center in Lincoln, I mean, you would be hard-pressed to not find my teacher is sitting off to the side, just like blankly staring at everything that's going on because the children don't, well, they will come over and ask if they want the teacher to be involved. But otherwise the teachers kind of just have to sit there and wait to be Uh invoked, summoned. (laughs) They have to wait to be summoned. So I think knowing that, especially finding people who don't think that of teaching as a verb like people who don't think of the concept of teaching as a verb, mm-hmm. because if you tried to call anything that I expect my teachers to do "quote unquote" teaching, when really it's more just guidance mm-hmm. and general helpfulness,
0: yeah, facilitating.
2: That yeah, then it's yeah. It's, it's essentially you're going to have a really hard time finding people who want to give it a shot or give it a chance or break into the career. Mm -hmm. Like we said before, those people who don't know or can't identify the parts of them that are going to make them a good educator who might need the assistance in finding it.
0: Well, I think this whole idea of professionalism outside of being referred to when policies being set, that's when I care about whether we're seen as a profession. Other than that, it's purely from our for our own ego. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think most parents, and and I'm I come from a full day, full year childcare for working families setting. Uh, I know there are other settings, <laughs> believe believe it or not. I know there are other settings, but <laughs> but for those families, they just need to know that their kids are safe and happy during the day while they're at work, and. While when they're interviewing or touring a center, they may ask questions about teacher qualifications. What they really care about is, do you like my child? And do you seem to like your job? And are my children safe with you? And and I think that needs to be a much bigger focus for us than what kind of piece of paper we have.
1: Mm Yeah. Yeah.
3: That that to me is the the crux of how... uh, High quality schools should be measured from all ages. Right,
0: right. Yeah, it, it doesn't stop when they go to kindergarten. I mean, so no. let's
2: while you guys are working on this college, let's also, <laughs> yep. Yep. let's also create a rogue accrediting body.
0: Yes, for child
2: cares and <laughs> preschools. I mean, there can't be really yeah. any any. It can't be hard to make yeah. one criteria.
0: One, <laughs> are children happy? <laughs> <laughs> criteria too. Do they die? <laughs> I would seriously. I mean, I feel like that's already
2: what I do when people pay me to come look at their centers. I just walk in, have like a little checklist in my mind. Like, do these kids look like they're having fun? Do these teachers look like they like their job? Yeah. I mean, so something as simple as that, and giving somebody a piece of paper that actually means something positive and not something bureaucratic, would right. be. I think it would be super cool. Right. Okay. Let's do it. We're okay. hiring you to run our accreditation department. You're, you're
0: doing the accreditation branch. <laughs> mm-hmm. of hey
2: the, me. The, hey the, me. the burnt <laughs> <laughs>
0: pearcel <Pure Soul> republic. <laughs> yeah. We'll have the Taggart School of Accreditation. <laughs> yes. Perfect. All right. Any last thoughts yeah. you guys want to throw out there? Because probably people are are getting ready to turn us off. <laughs>
3: Oh, we're so annoying! Just turn us
0: off already. <laughs> I just mean their drive's probably over. They're probably at work. Oh, by now. Yeah. I was
2: about to literally just say I'm just getting turned on, but <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't put together that that might come across wrong. But I still felt the need; it needed to come out somehow. Right. I was the, about to say in that in the context
0: as, of a three-way, you should yeah, have been turned was, on long ago. <laughs> I was, I was
2: about to say that as a non-joke. Oh <laughs> and then it just felt like you needed to came out as a joke.
0: <laughs> okay, well I need to remember to tell Jeff to put an explicit warning on this episode.
3: <laughs> yes, indeed. All
0: right, thank you guys for joining me. It was fun. We should do this more. Thanks for having us, <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Cause and Effect. <laughs>